are so glad that you are here today to join us. My name is Erin Stamil, and I'm a program coordinator for the Office of Pre-Health Studies here at Baylor. I work specifically in connecting students to research opportunities and internships, which has brought me in close connection with VERSE, who you will hear from in a moment. We're glad you're here. It means that you're passionate and excited about research, and we are too. So hopefully you'll learn a lot and come away today with an appreciation for research at Baylor, but also some practical steps on how you can get plugged in. So please allow me to introduce you to Kelly Hicks. She's the president of Baylor Undergraduate Research in Science and Technology. Hey guys, how many of you guys are freshmen? Okay, a few, okay. <laughs> how many of you guys are pre-med? Okay, a few, I guess, you know, some of you. Okay, well, like she said, my name is Kelly Hicks, and I am the president of BURST. Uh, BURST is a student organization that is um, that works to help all of your undergraduate research experience. So we try to enhance it and make it as fun and as informational as possible. And so this is our first of three Friday forums, and so Dr. Minky from the biology department is going to be talking with you today. So pay attention, and I hope that you guys learn some valuable information. Well, hello. I recognize some of you from some of my classes, but obviously since so many of you are freshmen, I don't recognize you, but I will probably at some point. Um, most of the uh, classes that I teach um, are genetics classes in the biology department, bio 2306, so um, I see a lot of y'all coming through there. So um, if I haven't met you yet, I'm sure our paths will cross at some point uh, if you're pre-med and, and going to be taking uh, genetics. So. Um, hey, great crowd for a Friday afternoon. Um, did they tell y'all there was going to be food? Or you just, you came because you were interested in this? I'm, I'm really impressed with the spread, and I'm definitely going to have to have a piece of that cake before I head out of here, so um, I'm very excited about that. Pardon my voice. I think it's going to last through this. I just taught two back-to-back -back genetics classes right before this, and then I had my husband drive me over here so I wouldn't have to walk over here uh, from the science building, but... Um, so I'm excited to be here. I like doing this talk, but if it sounds like my voice is starting to falter, it's just because it's not in shape yet. I've been off all summer, and so it's got to get back in shape again uh, for lecturing and teaching and so forth. So what I wanted to do today is talk to you, um, first of all, about how I got to where I am today, what were my interests as an undergrad, what were some of my research experiences like. Um, but I want to spend the most of this talk um, talking about how to find a mentor for your research because I know that that is a challenge sometimes for you for your honors thesis um, how do I get into a lab how do I make those connections um, because it is hard I mean I have students c continually in my office I had one today actually asking me um, that very question and so I'm going to relay to you the tips and hints um, that I tell them and then I want to conclude by giving you a, what I call a realistic picture of what um, being involved in a research lab actually looks like. Uh, because it's not as glamorous as we think. I mean, I remember being in your shoes and thinking how glamorous it would be and you get the little coat and everything else and, and that's all very exciting. Um, but I also want you to know what you're getting yourself into as well. So. Um, that's just kind of a little outline. So how did I get where I am today? Um, I have a, um, 
my undergraduate degree is a bachelor's in biology with a molecular biology focus or concentration. Uh, and then my PhD is in uh, biomedical studies um, with my dissertation work being in, in molecular biology and, and molecular genetics. So as an undergrad, I did my undergraduate work at Texas Lutheran University, um, a very small private uh, institution. And I started out my undergrad as a biology major because I liked biology, so why not be a biology major? Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do with it at the time. Unlike many of you, many of you come in and you're like, I know I want to be pre-med. Um, and so you have that goal in mind, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I liked science, I liked biology, and I was good at it. So that's what my major was going to be. And I just kind of prayed that everything else would fall into place uh, from there, and it did. I mean, I was interested in medicine. It wasn't that I didn't like medicine. I just could never see myself as a physician. It just didn't really um, appeal to me. Um, so I wanted to figure out, you know, how can I um, involve medicine in that um, aspect of biology and what I do. And so I enjoyed being in uh, the laboratory in, in just the, the general um, undergraduate labs that I had to take, freshman bio labs, things like that. I enjoyed being in labs. Uh, and then I even had the opportunity to be a TA, a teaching assistant in those labs. And I really enjoyed teaching. And so that's kind of where my uh, passion began as I thought, you know, this would be, this would be neat to do for a living, because I'm really enjoying um, doing it right now. I also became involved in some research projects. Um, I had the opportunity to be involved in a research project at my university, but also through um, some summer undergraduate research programs at other universities. Talk a little bit about that uh, in a minute. And I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the being in lab side of it. Um, I, I have vivid memories of how excited I was that I was going to get to be in a lab, in a research lab. And then I also remember how intense and stressful it was to juggle research hours with your, uh, with everything else, your, just your basic um, classes, academia, and then all the extracurricular things as well. It's tough. There's a lot there. Um, and then I, again, I said, I, I had this summer undergraduate research experience that was really enjoyable too. And so all these things kind of came together and I thought, you know, I really think graduate school um, is what I want to do. And specifically, I would love to end up at the end of all that being able to teach um, at the university level. Um, it's a really good gig. It's a great, you know, to, I, I used to substitute teach um, in uh, junior high, high school, when I was a college student, I'd go home and like substitute teach and I learned really quick. I did not want to be in that environment. God bless those teachers. That's all I can say there. Uh, but the college level is great. I love it. I love my job. I really do. I can't, I always tell my friends, you know, they, they have these jobs and they're just miserable at it. I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I just can't complain about my job. I love that I get to work with these incredible students. Um, to be in the university environment is wonderful. So, um, I really felt a strong calling uh, to teach and pursuing graduate school allowed me to teach and also get to be in the lab as well. So that's kind of my background. Sometimes that helps to know where I'm coming from if you know my background. All right. So what you really care about, um, how can you get started on your research experience? You have already been informed that um, you have this honors thesis and so forth that you're going to have to do. And that's not just a extended research paper, right? I mean, th this is something that is, is most likely very different from anything that you've experienced before because it's going to require a lot of upfront work before you even begin to sit down and actually start writing 
for composing uh, that thesis. Um, there's many hours that are going to go into it up front. And it is, it, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, it is hard to find a mentor. Um, I can particularly speak about the biology department because that's the department I'm within. Um, we are very shorthanded in the biology department for the number of majors that we have. Um, in particular, we're really short on the number of professors that have active research groups that you can join right now. So we know that's a problem, you know. I, I guess I'd like to say I'm sorry about that problem. I don't know how to fix that problem right now. Well, I know how to fix that problem. We're in the process of making more hires, and, and we do see that changing. But I just want to start up front by saying that it can be difficult, difficult within biology because we just don't have enough lab spots for the number of you <laughs> that there are. So what I want to tell you guys about today is how can you put yourself uh, ahead of the pack in, in, in trying to get some of those coveted spots within a lab. Um, if you are passionate about it, I, I have never yet had a student come into my office who says, I really want to be in a research group in the biology department. What do I need to do to get into that? And this is a student that keep, they, they'll keep bothering me and bothering me and bothering me. And we always find a spot for them. But you have to be persistent, okay? It has to be something that you really are passionate about pursuing. So the first thing that I would tell you is to start early. And by the show of freshman hands in here, that is super wonderful, okay, that you are here. That's great. Um, Many labs, you know, if you if you decided, hey, I want to get into a lab tomorrow, this would be a little tough. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It happens. Um, but many labs are already full for this semester, and a lot of professors have already um, kind of promised spots in future semesters. So they, their lab may be full for the next two years already, uh, and they may have a wait list as well. So, uh, and it's just because it's a numbers game. You know, we just don't have enough spots for everyone. So... Don't be discouraged if you go up to your freshman biology, your freshman chemistry teacher and say, hey, do you have a research project? I'd like to get involved in that. And if they say, I'm sorry, I don't have any spots, don't get discouraged. It's probably just because they have a full lab. Um, if you really are interested in the research they do, maybe you can ask to get on a wait list. Not everyone does that wait list thing, but some people do. And, and if you, you know, every uh, semester, nag that professor about where am I at on that wait list, you know, and, and make sure that they remember who you are, all right, that, that can be helpful as well. Um, before I move on, I do want to explain the difference <clears throat> between the types of faculty that we have here at Baylor, because a lot of people aren't familiar with how this works, and it's different at every university. At Baylor, um, we kind of have two different tracks that um, a professor can go on, can choose to go on. So, um, we have the tenure track, which is probably what you hear a lot about because that, that terminology is um, uh, very universal and many uh, universities use that particular terminology. And so tenure track um, at Baylor means something a little different than it might mean at another institution. At Baylor, a tenure track professor has a teaching load, but they also have a very heavy research load as well. And so tenure track professors are on their route. They are trying to get to tenure, all right? Um, and when they become tenured, they're tenured faculty, okay? Um, and, and they still have an active research lab and so forth at that point. So that is uh, different.
different from what you may have already encountered, um, or actually, I guarantee you, you've encountered today, uh, the lecturer route, because I'm a lecturer, all right? Um, we have a lecturer, senior lecturer route as well at Baylor. And with that route, um, individuals such as myself who are very passionate about teaching, we have a much higher teaching load. In fact, everything we do, our entire workload is teaching. And we do not have a research requirement as a part of our job. So the reason why I tell you about these two different types of, of careers at Baylor is you might have classes with individuals such as myself that are lecturers and you may go up to them and say, do you have a spot in your research lab? And they very well may say, I don't even have a research lab, okay? And, and that it, it's because that's how their workload is designed. Now, that being said, it does not mean that a lecturer cannot have a research program or research lab. And many of us do have small little research projects that we're doing. Um, we host um, what we call in the biology department 3V90 hours or individual topic uh, courses with students, special problems, things like that. And so many of us do, lectures do actually have undergraduate students in our labs, uh, but then the level of um, contact that they have with those undergrads can vary as well. Personally, myself, while I, I host students as 3V90s in my lab uh, quite often in the past I have, uh, but I don't ever do an honors thesis with them just because I have such a heavy teaching load that I don't have time to manage the supervision of an honors thesis. So um, there's a lot of variables within that. So just kind of keep that in mind when you go to ask someone to, if, if you can work in their lab, make sure that there's someone who is going to want to work with you on your honors thesis and, and follow this follow this through, um, that process through. Unless maybe you're just in their lab to get some experience and you plan on switching to another lab, um, but it, obviously it, the, the best opportunity for you is to start in, in the lab that you're going to be able to, to develop that project into a, a full um, honors thesis. So um, as far as finding your mentor, start with professors that you've had before. If you're a freshman, that's a little limited, I know. All right, but it's a good place to start. Maybe you have a professor that um, you have or had in a class and you know that professor because you were present in their office hours quite a bit, they know you, um, that's a good place to start, you know, to go to them and say, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what your research is um, and how I might be able to get involved within that. That's always a good place to start. But I know we're telling you to start early on your research experience, and so that means you may not have had a lot of professors before. So um, what do you do at that point um, things that I encourage uh, students to do come by and ask me this question. I tell them, I say, um, start by trying to figure out the type of research that professors do uh, in the department that you're interested in. Maybe you're just interested in chemistry, maybe you're just interested in physics, biology, or maybe you're interested in all of them. But take the time to figure out what these professors do, all right? Go to the departmental websites. I know at least with the biology website, and I'm sure it's similar with the other websites as well, other departments as well, um, we have um, fa a faculty focus where each faculty member has a, a very brief description of 
their research interests and what their research program is. Because you may look at that and you may read something and you may go, I can't even imagine wanting to study that for the next few years and develop an honors thesis uh, from that. So become familiar with what their focus is. That is also extremely helpful when you go to that faculty member. Maybe you've never even had that professor before, but you looked up on their website and you said, man, that is really interesting the type of research they do. I would really enjoy being a part of their lab. And then you make an appointment with that professor. They don't know you from the hundred other students that they have, right? But when you walk in that door and you say, hi, Dr. So-and-so, my name is such and such. And I see on your website that you are interested in blah, blah, blah. And that really interests me as well. Then they know that you're not, I mean, because we get these requests all the time. Let me tell you what I can't stand. A student coming in. Hey, do you have any research bots? Because I really want to boost my resume. Don't say that's a bad thing to say. It's a bad thing to say, okay? But if you go in and you say, look, I have a genuine interest in what your research is, um, and they may go, hmm, this might, this might be interesting. I may want to sit down and talk to this student about it for a little bit. All right, you kind of get your foot in the door there. Then if you really want to take it to the next step, what I would recommend is try to find some recent publications that that professor has had in their research and go out and read it and try to learn something about it. And that way when you walk in, you can say, hey, I've, I read your latest paper and I found that very interesting, but what I don't understand is such and such or you know, want to talk about that somehow. Um, that interaction with a student is a very rare interaction that we have with a student because most of the time they're just coming in and they're fishing um, for anyone to take them. And I understand what that desperation has to feel like when you're just looking for someone to take you, right? But these are some really good um, points that might set you out above some of the other students. Um, and definitely ask in person. Don't send the blanket email. I mean, I can tell. It doesn't matter if you blind carbon copy everyone else. I can tell this is an email that's gone out to the entire biology department, chemistry department, physics department, every, you know, because they're just searching for a mentor somehow. So ask in person. Um, some other things that you need to consider. Yes, ma'am. That's probably a good idea. The question is, would you recommend sending an email to ask for an appointment or just show up? You know, if they have office hours, like open office hours, um, that would be an appropriate time to, to, to go and see them. If you can't make it to their office hours, you might want to send an email. But I will tell you, um, you may not get a response, so don't be surprised. You know, because if you send an email, I'd like to come by and talk to you sometime about the possibility of doing research in your lab. Um, that doesn't necessarily set you apart from a lot of the emails that we get. So it is hard, you know, you don't want to show up at their door when they're in the middle of something, yet you want to, you want to respect their time. So it really is kind of a hard one um, to answer. Maybe try to figure out what their office hours are and, and go to office hours. Great question. Um, I know that you have this idea that you know, you're going to be able to go, if you can just get your foot in the door, because I know all of you guys are sharp, sharp individuals. <clears throat> I work with students like you all the time. And so I know that you have this idea you're going to go and you're going to go into this research lab and you're really going to impress this professor. You're going to help them with their research. You're going to help them get publications. And that might happen, but probably, I'm just giving you the realistic picture here, probably 
um, you're going to be more of a cost and a burden than you are help. And that's normal. And when we take y'all into our labs, we know that, okay? We know that, all right? But we also know it's a part of our job, okay? But the reason I say that is I just want you to realize that the reason it is difficult for us to invest in that is because this is extra and on top of what we what our normal workload and requirement is because particularly for these professors that are tenure track you know they have to have so many publications and so many grants and so forth just to keep their job at Baylor that investing in an undergrad coming into their lab and probably screwing up several things okay let's just face it that's going to happen and that's okay that's part of it all right but doing that and also just the, the cost of supplies and materials that they're going to have to have to get you through that research project um, it, they're doing it because they are passionate they, they see that as a side of teaching and learning okay not because oh good this is going to be some extra help in the lab because you're really not I mean you're an investment in training and time and so forth so just keep that in mind and what might be helpful when you go and seek out a professor is to talk to them about an URSA and I know many of you are not familiar with URSA um, it's an undergraduate um, research um, fellowship stipend funding you can apply for these if you have if you go to a professor and you can say I realize you know that um, your type of research particularly if you're doing within my area molecular genetics genetic research it's very costly it's very expensive uh, but if you tell the professor you say look I'm I am interested in developing a project and potentially applying for URSA funding that's a university um, funded stipend that you, you develop a project, you submit it to the URSA committee, and if you get selected, you get some money to do your re to help fund your research. And that can be that can help with the costs and so forth uh, within that professor's lab. So that's just kind of another idea floating around out there that might help to set you apart to say, I'm familiar with the URSA grants and I am interested in trying to apply for those um, to help defray some of the costs of me being in your lab. Um, but again, one thing that I definitely caution you about is don't go in there. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. That's a good question. Um, let me address that right now because um, it's probably somewhere in here. But let's address right now. She goes. She said, "Well, if you're going to walk in and ask and talk to this professor, shouldn't you already have a research project in mind?" Okay. Let me tell you, in the sciences, it doesn't work that way. All right. In other areas, some some humanities and so forth, you may have a question in your mind, and you may go in and say, "This is a question I want to have," and they will work with you on that particular question and so forth. Within the, science, within the science world, and, and I'm not going to say there's not exceptions. There might be some exceptions to this, but I'm going to say 95% of the time, you are going to be um, doing what that professor does because within the sciences, you get funding. It's so expensive. You have to have grant funding to do your research, and that grant funding is for a specific question, topic, research area that is their focus. And so you coming in, you know, to, to a molecular biologist lab and saying, I want to study the number of turtles in Waco Creek, they're going to go, sorry, that's not my area. That's not going to boost any of their work. None of their funding could pay for that because their funding is tied to these other research projects. So 
and that is the, you know, it's a great, um, it would be wonderful if it worked that way. You know, it would be so wonderful if students could come in and they say, hey, I have this idea for this project, and they could just do it, you know. But unfortunately, you're oftentimes going to be tied to that. Now, that's not always the case in, in areas where you're not tied by funding and things like that as well. Do you have a follow-up question on that? Right, you, you apply for the URSA funding with the professor. Yes, it's an excellent question. She says, okay, I, I'm missing the sequence of events here. How would you ever apply for URSA funding? No, that would be something that you would go and meet with a professor, and if they agreed to take you on in their lab, they would talk with you about developing a project. That project would be an offshoot of something that they already do in their lab, and, in the, and that professor would then say, this is the project I'm going to put you on, and you would do the background research and so forth and develop an URSA around that. Does that make sense? Excellent questions. Excellent questions. Okay. So, but no, I, I really am glad that you brought that up, that, you know, it is, you know, in a, in a perfect world um, to be able to go in and say, you know, I want to cure cancer today. Um, how are we going to do that, you know? That would be wonderful. Um, it just doesn't always work that way. Now, there are some types of research projects, like if, you, if you're interested in an animal behavior project that you're going to do at the zoo and you, know, you don't have a lot of um, funding issues there and you go to a biologist who specializes in animal behavior, they may go, well, you know what, that is an interesting idea. I think we could probably work that into your plan. I mean, there's going to be some scenarios where that will happen. It's just less likely than you, than you um, understanding their project and wanting to get in on an offshoot or a question that they have. Now, some, and, and there may even be another scenario where you've read their work, you've read their research and what they're currently doing, and based on what you've read, you develop a question that you're interested in, and maybe that professor thinks that that would tie in nicely. That, that could happen as well. Uh, but it's, it's most likely going to be directly related to their lab and their research, mostly because it's a funding thing as well. Yes, ma'am. It's, it's, yes, it's very common. I sit on honors thesis, even though I don't host an honor student in my lab and supervise the project, I sit on countless um, committees for the honors thesis uh, committees and so forth, yes. And, you know, I know that if I'm going to sit in on an honors thesis student um, that um, Dr. Adair has, I know that it's going to, I already, because I've sat in on several of her students, I know what her research is, it's going to be an aspect of her research. And that's fine. It's not, um, it's not cheating or, you know, uh, um, to be given that project because it's just how it works within the sciences. And I, and I, I could assume, I, I could see situations where within the humanities it would look a little bit differently than that, you know, where a student would come up with their own project and, and so forth. But it's very common in the sciences, you know, every project that I see with Dr. So-and-so, there are going to be there are going to be different questions that are asked along the way as that that professor's uh, research has progressed and so forth, um, and they're going to give that student a project, and it's still going to be your project, and you're still going to have to research it, and it'll be a project no one else has ever done, but it's an offshoot of their research. Does that make sense? Kind of clarifying that. All right, um, but anyway. Um, 
last thing I, I do want to stress with before I move on is um, just don't go into their lab and say, and, and I've said this before, their lab or their office and go, I really need this because it's going to look good on my resume for medical school. I mean, I really have students that come in my office and say that, and I'm kind of like, well, good for you, but what's in it for me? I mean, are you interested in this? Are you passionate about this? So, I mean, even if that's how you feel, don't say that, right? So, um, one other thing um, that I actually uh, recently talked to um, the pre-health department about, um, there are these wonderful summer undergraduate research programs that exist even outside of Baylor, um, all over Texas, all over the country, and you can apply for these. Some are more competitive than others. I had a student at Mayo Clinic and a student at Hopkins just this past summer, and those are gonna be more um, competitive programs. But there's, there's programs even locally. You know, I have, I have students all the time, they're like, you know, I'm gonna live at home this summer. I'm from Houston. Um, I'm gonna see what programs are there. MD Anderson has tons of summer undergraduate research programs. And so these students live at home, but then they work, you know, 10, 12 hours a day at MD Anderson doing research and so forth. Um, and oftentimes these are, are called SERFs or SERPs, which stands for Summer Undergraduate Research Program or Summer Undergraduate Research Fellowship. You get paid, I mean, you're not gonna get rich off it, right? But you actually get paid to work in these labs. And so um, it's something that I think we're gonna start to see more often, and there's even local ones as well. There's summer um, internship um, uh, programs that the free health office has that you can apply for as well that are local here in the community in our hospitals as well. But I think something that we're gonna start to see more is students wanting to use, you know, if they develop a project over summer and they get some really good results, you might be able to turn that into an honors thesis. Keep in mind, you will still need to have a Baylor faculty member be your mentor on it, but they can mentor you and kind of help you with the writing and so forth, even though all the lab work and the bench work and everything else has already taken place somewhere else. So tuck that away in the back of your mind because that might be something, you know, if you're really struggling to find a mentor, and but you had a really good summer undergraduate research experience or internship or something like this, you might be able to develop that into an honors thesis down the road. And I believe, is it November 1st? So that would be another great opportunity as well. Um, just exploring different avenues, you know, if you can't fit it into your schedule, if you can't find a mentor, consider um, the summer. And even Baylor has those summer programs as well. The biology department has hosted students over the summer in different people's labs. You get a small stipend, things like that. But they are everywhere. Um, and I'm sure your instructors can help you to find those. Really, if you just go and you Google SERFs or SERPs or REUs, um, those are research experiences for undergraduates, you're going to find lists and lists of these at all the popular um, universities and institutions across the country. Um, are there any freshmen in here enrolled in the, our biology 1405, 1406, some of y'all in here? Okay. Um, we in the biology department do have what we call inquiry-based um, science classes. Um, right now, it's only at the freshman level, but we are hoping to develop more of those at some of the upper levels as well. Um, it, if you are not 
involved, if you're not enrolled in 1405 right now, it's an inquiry-based freshman biology class. Um, that's a two-part, so it's a 1405-1406. And so um, this does not, this won't really apply to you if you're not already in it, okay? But I'm going to give you another option in a minute. Um, some of you in, that are involved in that 1405 class, um, you might actually, over the course of the year, find something or get some good results or something like this. And so that might be another option of turning something into an honors thesis if you discover something new um, that could add to you know, the scientific literature and so forth on that. If you're not already enrolled in that, you can enroll. We do have 60 spots, I believe. My number might be off there. In a Bio 2 inquiry base, even if you're not in one right now um, and you want to enroll in that in the spring, we do have one um, that's an inquiry-based uh, bio 2, it's a for, bio 1406, and again, by inquiry-based, it's, it's that course, that lab works a little bit differently. You're going to be required to, to develop a, a, a small little project. Now, the project that you develop in that class is not going to be big enough for an honors thesis, but if you get some pretty good results, it might be something that you really want to expand on over the course of the next few years. So, you know, looking into some of those inquiry-based labs might be another option for you. So, um, just another thought. Okay, so finishing up, um, I want to give you kind of the, the realistic picture of research in the lab. Um, I want to start with the positives, and then I'm going to go with the negatives. Maybe I should have switched that so then I could end on a positive note, but this is the order we're going to go with, all right? All right, so positives. Um, you know, completing a research project is such a great feeling, okay? Most of the time it's a great feeling because there's been so many blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into it that when it's done, you are just so relieved. And so, you know, that is it's definitely um, a feeling of accomplishment uh, whenever you've been successful. Some other neat things. Um, oftentimes, once you get involved in a research project or a research lab, you can set your own hours. Um, a lot of times this comes further on. I mean, early on you're going to be doing training. The instructor is going to want you there at certain hours. You're going to need to be there when there's a grad student there or the instructor so that you can do your training. But a lot of times once you get well into your project, you know, it's not uncommon for us to give you building access and say, you know, this is your project. You know when it needs to be complete by figure out when you're going to come in. I mean, and I'll have students that come up here in the evenings or at night or on weekends and so forth uh, to do their projects. So there's some flexibility within that in setting your own hours and trying to work that into uh, your academics and everything else. Um, once you get to that point as well, um, getting to work independently. You know, if you, a lot of times in our um, course labs, you do a lot of group work. And that is important, and some people love group work, but some people just really like to, to work independently on a project that they are really developing that they can take ownership of. And so a lot of times that's a pro for students interested in working in a research lab. Um, most of the time, a science research lab is a pretty relaxed environment, um, unless you've got a major deadline that you're coming up on, you know. Um, it's a pretty laid-back, relaxed environment. So there's a lot of positives about being in a research lab. But I want to make sure you understand um, that, unfortunately, in science, um, you know, it's, it's not called research for no reason. It's, um, 
it is a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of troubleshooting, and that can be very frustrating. And anyone who's ever worked in a lab will tell you, you know, sometimes it's just pure luck. You know, you know, I have done this same experiment for three weeks now, and I've trouble. I've been troubleshooting and troubleshooting, and then today it just started working, and I have no idea why. And you may never know. And that happens all the time, okay? And that can be frustrating. Um, keep in mind within the sciences, research within the sciences, um, something that's different from humanities um, and people you know, that you may know that are doing an honors thesis within humanities is I kind of look at it as a two-part um, process. There's the, the you know, research, like the lit review, Part of it where you've got to read lots of articles and you've got to figure out what your project's going to be and so forth and in in consulting the literature and that and that's similar you know, people in humanities whatever research they're doing they're going to have that aspect as well but then you have this whole other portion of it that's in the lab that's the bench work that's the hands-on work that is not a part of research oftentimes within the humanities and so it really is a countless number of hours to develop a full project there. So be ready to invest hours. It's going to be more than just a few hours a week in a lab. You're going to be there nights and weekends, and it, it is a time investment um, if you are serious about that. And if, an, if a professor is going to take you into their lab, they're going to expect that of you. They're going to expect for you to put that amount of time in. Some professors even have actual uh, time limits and say, okay, if I'm going to be your mentor, I expect you in the lab 10 to 15 hours a week minimum. And if you're not going to be in here more than that, I'm not going to be your mentor. You know, um, some, some of them are not that strict, okay? But I want to put that out there because I don't want you, you to be shocked um, if, if that is expected of you because it really can take that, that much to put together a good, a good thesis. Um, at the end of uh, my students' experience, my students who come into my research lab, and again, it, they're not honors thesis students, but I'll take them on for a semester or two semesters, and we'll do a little project, and they'll present the project at Scholars Day or so, and so on and so forth. And, and at the end of it, you know, I always ask them, like, so what you think? Was it what you thought? You know, getting to be in a research lab and do a project, was it what you thought? And every single time, every one of them, they, they comment on how it is just so much longer and more drawn out than they ever thought it would be. You know, because there's troubleshooting and, you know, you, something that seems so simple, you're like, oh, I should be able to finish that in a semester times two, you know, times three, times four. I mean, it takes a lot longer oftentimes, particularly if you're, um, if you're starting a, a newer project in a professor's lab, some, some techniques that they haven't quite worked out yet because it's a, it's a, a project that um, they're just starting. Uh, it, it can be a very long process, and that can be extremely ungratifying at times. So um, I just want to forewarn you of that. You know, you can spend an entire semester, and I see this all the time when I sit on these honors thesis projects. You know, students will go, okay, well, you know, I was originally hoping to get to point, you know, C. I got to point B because I spent three months trying to figure out why this assay didn't work. Um, and that's very common. So uh, be prepared for that. There's a lot of repetition, a lot of repetition, and that can get taxing um, and boring sometimes. Um, 
But also, uh, the last con I want to talk about is particularly within the area of molecular biology, and I'm just speaking to that because that's just my area, but it's also the case um, within certain types of chemistries and biochemistries as well. Um, but it is, it is expensive, and so um, the grant funding um, is important, and so you need to make sure you work with a PI or a mentor who has the grant funding for you to be in their lab, number one, or number two, work with them on how to get some URSA funding to help your PI out. Um, that can be very helpful as well. So um, the last thing um, that I want to talk about, and then I'm going to just open it up for questions to you guys. Um, if I had, if I had just a couple of um, take-home points for you about how to be successful in this process, um, the first one I would say is is definitely be uh, persistent. Um, if you're if you're really passionate about this and you're not, you know, this cannot be a a means to an end. Like, well, the only way I'm going to get honors stamped on my um, degree at the end of all this is if I do this stupid little thesis project, so I have to do it. Um, that's going to be very challenging if you are not completely invested in it because it just takes so much time uh, to put together this thesis and to do the research. So, um, you know, being persistent about getting in the lab and getting started early. Um, don't save it all for your junior, senior year, okay? Um, that can get very um, cumbersome and you may not finish it. But also I would say, um, try your best to be independent. Um, you're not, depending on what lab setting you're in, you know, your PI is going to expect you to um, take ownership of the project and be responsible for it. And so every single little thing that goes wrong, if you go running to your PI, you know, they're not gonna have time to work with you through all of that. They are going to expect you to troubleshoot on your own, to go to the literature on your own, um, to, to go above and beyond because they're taking you on because you're an honor student and that means that you work at a different level than just a general undergrad would in their, in their lab. And so they're gonna expect that of you. So make sure that you're working independently uh, within their labs as well. All right, I'm gonna be quiet uh, and I'm going to try my best to answer any questions that you have or at least maybe try to refer you to a resource that can answer your questions at this point. Yes, sir. Right, you know, if you're just interested in doing your thesis within the English department, um, that's, that's going to be a very different type of um, uh, program. Oh, and I know some of you guys have to leave and that's fine and everything, but I did want to point out that, that even when I'm done talking, there, there is one last thing that um, there, you guys need to fill out today, just, just so you know. Okay. Um, but anyway, you know, right, if you're, if you're interested in doing, and since I don't know enough about the humanities to give you a specific example, but you're interested in evaluating a particular author's work and you have a question about their work, that's going to be consulting the literature on what people, that particular question, has it been asked before, um, developing your own thoughts on that, and then, of course, reading all of that author's work. And so, you know, so it, it's very literature-based, right? You don't have to then go and do an experiment 
on top of that. And so that's where some of the differences come in between that, those different types of research. Yes, ma'am. So her question is, you know, I'm addressing kind of lab research type stuff, but if you're interested in clinical research, we, at Baylor, um, we don't have a lot of clinical research that's going on. So that would be something that you're going to have to seek out somewhere else through some of these internships and so forth. And if you wanted to turn them into a thesis, I do know there's a, been a couple of committees I've sat on um, that students did a medical mission trip with a mentor. And as a part of that medical mission trip, there was an actual clinical research component to it. And they were able to turn that into an honors thesis. I have seen that. I've only seen like one or two of those, though. Uh, but yeah, you know, those are it, it, if you have a question that that you uh, that comes as a part of any of these experiences, whether it's clinical or a lab setting, um, you know, those are. But again, you know, you're going to have to have a. Baylor faculty mentor to supervise that project, even if they were not involved in that particular clinical research. But yes, I do see that. Yes, sir. The exact same way. The exact same way. Not at all. Like I said, I'm kind of, I probably shouldn't even be here because I don't help them in the honors program, right? So y'all shouldn't even have me here talking, right? Uh, because I only take students who are, just because I don't have the time to, to supervise the honors thesis because it takes a lot more time. And so I only take students who are not in the honors college. Um, and so what I do is, is um, in the biology department, they sign up for what we call 3V90 hours or variable hours. Um, and that way, there is a grade associated with it. So um, there's some accountability there. I found, you know, you can't just go, sure, you know, we're gonna do this project and they're, they're gung-ho for the first month. The next thing you know, you don't ever see them again. And so uh, a lot of them will probably ask for you to do it for credit, which it ends up helping you out, at least if you're a biology major that gives you upper level biology hours, which you need as a part of your degree anyway. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm addressing a lot towards the honors thesis and so forth, but if you are interested in getting in a research lab because you're passionate about it, maybe your interests aren't even pre-med, maybe your interests are graduate school or something like this as well. I mean, you know, if you're interested in graduate school, you definitely need to get you some research under your belt to make you competitive. And these, this entire process, I tell every single student who comes in looking for research opportunities the exact same thing. And, and there's a mix. Every lab you go into, some are going to be honor students and some are not. Other questions? I just talked so long. I answered every single thing you had. All right. Well, that concludes me, but don't stay in your seat because I know Kelly has some more things uh, to mention to you guys. Thank you all so much.